Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Ian Carey, and we are going to run down all the news, making headlines in the world of pro wrestling this week. And actually, there wasn't a ton of news that happened in wrestling that was outside the actual shows. Most of the notable stuff that happened in pro wrestling this week took place on wrestling shows, which as I've been mentioning for the last few weeks, is a welcome change of pace. I mean, so much of wrestling news over the last few months has also uh, sort of run side by side with world news. I mean, we're talking about the global pandemic and what's safe and what is not safe uh, in, in terms of businesses to run. Is wrestling a safe business to run? Should wrestling be running? Uh is this company doing enough testing? Is this company doing any testing at all? Stuff like that. But finally, we've got enough stuff happening on the actual shows themselves that we can focus on them a little bit. And the top story in wrestling this week, in my opinion, anyway, and I would imagine in a lot of people's opinion, is we have a new NXT champion and this man apparently has no limits. He's Keith Lee. And I think Keith Lee winning the NXT championship deserves top billing here this week. Top billing for Keith Lee. Well deserved. And there's also something about Keith Lee's title victory on NXT's The Great American Bash this week that deserves a, a bit of a special focus from from spoiler-free wrestling. Because one of the big things that happened this week, if you are someone that scours the dirt sheets and you're online looking at wrestling news, you will very likely have found out that Keith Lee was winning the NXT title before he actually did. And the spoilers were out. It's being said that Somebody on the NXT roster just, without thinking, posted the result to Instagram or something like that. I will go on the record and saying, I don't, I'm calling BS on that. Because it's been fairly well established that if you tape a show with a title change and the title change gets out, your ratings for that show are that much better. And that's why whenever WWE goes to the UK and they do a show that takes place in the afternoon for North American time. And there's a title change. They always post it through their social media that a title change took place because they want you to watch the show. And it's been kind of established that the trend is if the spoiler gets out about a title change, people will tune in to watch the title change take place, see what happens. And, of course, there's a very famous first example of this. And the first example of a segment, of a pre-taped segment with a title change doing monster ratings after a spoiler uh, got out is when Mankind won the WWE Championship for the first time. Mick Foley's first world championship happened on a taped episode of Raw. 
the WCW announced team, it was Tony Schiavone who did it, but obviously he was told to do it, gave away the result uh, on Nitro. And what ended up happening was everybody tuned away from Nitro and tuned on to Raw to see it happen. And this is very famous. Shivani said, like, uh, Mick Foley, who wrestled here as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. And then he said the line, oh, that'll put some butts in the seats or something like that. But the truth is, it really did put butts in seats, or at least butts in seats in front of TVs. Because as soon as it got out that McFoley was winning the title, a lot of people tuned out of Nitro and clicked on Raw to watch McFoley win the world championship. Well, so Triple H and WWE have said, oh, no, this was just an accident that this spoiler got out. We didn't really mean for it. Bullshit! I don't believe it. I believe that that was leaked on purpose. And, um, but anyway, regardless, it sort of summed up why avoiding dirt sheets, especially in an era where a lot of shows are taped right now, except for a lot of the spoilers don't get out from the taped shows because there's hardly anyone there, but it still sort of sums up why it would be good. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, to have more news sites that are focused on on uh, allowing fans to enjoy the, the shows without knowing what's going to happen. But I guess it's just us. So anyway, the main point is Keith Lee is the NXT champion. Up right now on our website, we've got a feature article uh, titled Keith Lee's Future May Truly Be Limitless. And we take a special look at Keith Lee's NXT title win and the journey that Keith Lee took to get to this position. And you might look at Keith Lee and say, that guy looks like a WWE star. He talks like a WWE star. His facial expressions and the way he's able to communicate a story with his face is very similar to WWE stars of the past much like John Cena, Hulk Hogan, we're both very much like that. So why has it taken Keith Lee so long to get to this spot now? Well, he was a 13-year pro before he ever got to WWE. And he was rejected at WWE tryouts three times before finally being hired by the company in 2018. He tried out for WWE in 2008, and they said, no, thank you. He tried out for WWE again in 2011, and they said, no, thank you. When the Performance Center opened up in 2013, he was part of the original class training there, but he didn't get a contract. He was told, no, thank you. And in interviews that Keith Lee has given since, he has said he, he really wondered if he was going to continue in wrestling especially during those years where basically there's there's WWE or Japan or maybe TNA. There's not a lot of options. It's not like it is today. I mean, 2013 was only seven years ago, but it's a different era in pro wrestling in terms of the options that are available to pro wrestlers. So you get rejected by WWE and there is no AEW to go to? Or there, 
for whatever reason, maybe New Japan's not an option for him. And so Keith Lee's got to be thinking, man, this this might be it for me. If WWE is not interested, I might be done because they are my best shot at being able to make enough money to live off of from pro wrestling. So he went to Ring of Honor. He was with Ring of Honor from 2015 to 2017. Wrestled with Evolve and PWG from 2017 to 2018. And finally did get that WWE contract in 2018. But he said he was on After the Bell, which is Corey Graves' podcast. And he said that what kept him going was that even though he was getting rejected from WWE, was he had conversations with Dusty Rhodes, William Regal, and Jim Ross. All who were all employed by WWE at the time. And those helped to improve his confidence and keep him going in the business. And I thought, wow, because in all three of those cases, they probably didn't have to actually say anything to Keith Lee. He wasn't coming into their company. They, he was not being chosen for a contract. But they took the time to have a conversation with Keith Lee to keep him going in the business. Perhaps recognizing that this guy's got talent. He's just not fitting what WWE wants for whatever reason at the time. And I can't even think of what that reason would be. Because he's clearly very, very good. But Triple H has said in interviews that he did need to work on a few aspects of his game. And it did take a year and a half before he was someone you could tell the company was confident in. And then all of a sudden things started to click for Keith Lee. And then all of a sudden we get to the survivor series in 2019 and they did a five on five on five elimination match between SmackDown raw and NXT. And remember this is like the month after NXT went to the USA network. And so that 15-person match featuring, like, five top talents from SmackDown, five top talents from Raw, five top talents from NXT. The last three wrestlers. Oh, actually, I don't know that. Anyway, he eliminated Seth Rollins um, during the match, and he made it all the way to the final two. It was him and Roman Reigns were the final two left in the match. Roman Reigns won the match. But just that idea that Keith Lee and Roman Reigns were the final two of a 15-person match. I mean, it just sort of sends the message that, whoa, wait a second. Could Keith Lee one day be elevated to a spot similar to the one held by Roman Reigns? And the crowd reaction was all about it. There was like, I mean, obviously there was cheering, but there was also that kind of communal gasp or like, we're like, 15,000 people are all turning to the people beside them at the same time going, whoa, hey, what about this? Whoa, hey, this is, hey, whoa. It was like one of those communal sounds. Like, hey, could you imagine if, could you imagine if WWE goes all the way with Keith Lee? And it seemed like they would have or should have like immediately after that. But he kind of just kept going in the storylines that he had been with NXT, and then we get to the Royal Rumble. And he's back in the Royal Rumble. Wasn't in the Rumble long. 
So if you remember in this year's Royal Rumble, there was a period where Brock Lesnar was just tossing everybody out. And then he was the only person in the ring. So entrant number 13 is Keith Lee. So he's in there one-on-one with Brock Lesnar. And all of a sudden it's the same sort of vibe of the Survivor Series when it was Keith Lee and Roman Reigns. It's like, oh, all right. What, you know, this idea that we've, Keith Lee's an NXT guy. We've never really seen him outside that setting. And all of a sudden here we are seeing him uh, side by side with Brock Lesnar. And you think, what if, what if WWE decided to take Keith Lee and make him a guy who could have matches with Brock Lesnar, could even beat Brock Lesnar someday, like Drew McIntyre beat him someday. Why couldn't Keith Lee beat Brock Lesnar at a WrestleMania someday, just like Drew McIntyre did? It could very well happen. If you told me that the main event at WrestleMania 37 is Keith Lee defeating Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship, I wouldn't see that as far-fetched at all. That could totally totally happen and then the other thing with keith lee is that nxt has seen a big boom a big boom a big boom their ratings have increased their total viewership ratings have increased over the last three weeks they're now winning the war in terms of total viewership between nxt and aew now they're not winning in the key demo that 18 to 49 demo which is the one that advertisers and networks value more than total viewership. So this stuff about AEW still winning the key demo, so that's more important, that is true. But there still is sort of like an intangible value to having more people watch your wrestling show than their wrestling show. There is a value to that. Not as much of a business or financial value as the key demo does, but there's still a value. More people watch your show than their show. That matters maybe not as much from a business sense, but it matters. And for the last three weeks, NXT has been beating AEW in total viewership. Now, the first time they beat AEW, Keith Lee won a number one contender's triple threat match in the main event against Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor, and that segment did fantastic in the ratings. And then his match against Adam Cole. On Wednesday night, we won the title. That match also did fantastic in the ratings. So two of the three weeks that NXT beat AEW in total viewership, Keith Lee's in the main event. The other time it was Sasha Banks and Io Shirai in the main event. So NXT has has found something here. I, It's still too small of a sample size, a little too early to tell if Keith Lee is a ratings draw or not, but early evidence suggests that he might be. And we've seen Becky Lynch became a needle mover for NXT when she came in and did a small program back in November. Sasha Banks is a bit of a ratings draw. We've seen that. Charlotte Flair was not. Charlotte Flair came to NXT and it meant nothing. Sasha Banks came in, and she improved ratings. But Keith Lee in the main event, two out of three weeks. It, I, I, Okay, so I believe, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe NXT has only beat AEW in total viewership four times since the start of the Wednesday Night War. I could be wrong about that. But in those cases, Becky Lynch was in the main event once. Uh, so it was 
I don't know if Becky Lynch was in the main event, but Becky Lynch was on the show, um, and that was a big deal. Sasha Banks versus Io Shirai was another one, and two Keith Lee matches. So to me, that sends the message that, based on a very small sample size, I think NXT's got something in Keith Lee. I think Keith Lee, as the face of NXT, could gradually keep increasing those numbers up. And who knows where NXT might go with Keith Lee as the champion. So we'll just have to see. I mean, based on how the show ended Wednesday night, it looks like Karrion Cross is going to be waiting in the wings here for Keith Lee and could likely be his first challenger, maybe at a takeover down the road. We'll just have to wait and see. Just a couple of NXT stat or NXT title stats which I like to do, and this is up in the article as well. So Keith Lee is now the 17th wrestler to win the NXT championship, and he begins the 19th reign in the title's lineage as only two wrestlers have ever held the title more than once. That's Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura, and that's because they traded it between themselves. Um, so Adam Cole tops this list, 403 days as champion. Nick's highest is 292 days. Finn Balor, Neville at 287. Bo Dallas at 280 back in the day. Ciampa at 238. And then the rest of those numbers are available up at spoilerfreewrestling.com. All right, next up, let's talk about the television ratings for the last week. And we do have SmackDown's latest numbers here as well. So actually, why don't we just start... Did my voice crack there? I'm 40 years old going through puberty. Okay, so... Uh, SmackDown, let's start with, I want to start with SmackDown because SmackDown did so terrible on July the 3rd. So on July the 3rd, they had record low ratings of 1.78 million viewers and a 0.4 in the key demo. Now they usually are over 2 million. They sometimes fall a little bit below it and have been consistently a 0.5 in the key demo for like ever. So there was some concern like, wow, 1.77, that's a significant drop. And a 20% drop in the key demo, that's not good. Uh, but we wondered a little bit if that was because it's a Friday night of the long weekend. Like July 4th was the next day. So does that count as a holiday or does it not count as a holiday? We can probably count most of last week's rating as a holiday though because they were back up to 1.9 million so still lower than what they generally do but the key demo number was back to 0.50 so that 20 percent dip in the key demo and remember that's what fox cares about is the key demo number that's that's the most important one to them they're like, people over 50 watching, we don't care. People under 18 watching, we don't care. 18 to 49. Those are the people that buy stuff from the advertisements. That's what we care about. So that 20% drop from last week, that they brought that back up to write what it's been averaging, that kind of shows that it was sort of an anomaly last week. Although their total viewership was still the, the lowest they've done in a, in a few months. So that's not great either. Um, and that was from last night's SmackDown, which the, the main event of that was Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura challenging New Day for the titles. Um, 
see if there's much else I can remember from that show. Not really. Um, but yeah, so SmackDown, they're back up now in both the key demo and more or less up to to a reason or kind of what they're used to in total viewership. As for Raw, they plummeted again this week. They are now, their rating this week was real bad. If you remember on the June 15th and June 23rd shows, their, both their total viewership and their key num- demo numbers were up. And those were the first two shows under Bruce Pritchard. So the idea some were thinking then was, oh, okay. Now with Bruce Pritchard's sort of structure and how he likes to do things, Raw is going to start getting back up to where it was. Then for June 29th, it dipped down to 1.735 million viewers and a 0.49 in the key demo. And that was like, oh man, because those are back to numbers that the show had been doing with Heyman running it. Now this week, they went below that. So the July 6th episode did 1.687 million viewers and a 0.49 in the key demo. And Raw actually usually does above a 0.5 in the key demo, which technically makes Raw a more valuable show than SmackDown, even though it regularly brings in uh, less total viewers. So it's funny because I like to compare Raw and SmackDown in the same way I compare AEW and NXT. And because they're close, they're so close. Uh, they both hover around the same thing in the key demo, although there seems to be more variability in Raw's ratings. Like, Raw will fluctuate way more than SmackDown does. Um, but anyway, both Raw and, uh, but Raw down a lot this week. SmackDown back up from its record low last week, but maybe not back up as much as, as WWE would hope. So let's now go over to the AEW and the NXT ratings. And these were for the the second week of Fighter Fest and the second week of the Great American Bash. So NXT wins in total viewers. They got a 759,000 viewers and a 0.20 in the key demo. Now that's down from what they did the previous two weeks. So the first week of the Great American Bash was... Uh, 792,000 and a 0.22 in the key demo. And the June 24th episode, which did really well in total viewers, but was actually down in the key demo, did 786,000 viewers and a 0.19 in the key demo. Now, but those are up. Like the total viewership for NXT has been steadily increasing. Like if you did a five week average. they're on the, their best run that they've had in terms of total viewership in the last four weeks, the last month, let's say. If you go back to May 20th, the May 20th show did uh, 592,000 viewers and a 0.13 in the key demo. Now they're up nearly at 800,000 and, and above a 0.2 in the key demo usually. So NXT has really put it together in the first half of July and the last half of June. And they're doing that at a time where both Raw and SmackDown are kind of falling. Well, we think SmackDown's falling a little bit. Raw is definite. Raw saw a spike with Bruce Prichard taking over, but that spike lasted two weeks. 
They're right back to where they were with Heyman. So getting rid of Paul Heyman, that got them a two-week break in the ratings and nothing more. And that's basically the trends for the ratings in wrestling this week. I just want to quickly talk about the opening segment of Monday Night Raw this week. It featured Dolph Ziggler bringing out Drew or uh, bringing out uh, Heath Slater to confront Drew McIntyre as you know the whole thing was Heath Slater was recently released by by the organized by WWE and Drew McIntyre had previously been released by WWE but after Drew McIntyre had been released Heath Slater would call him every day and looked out for him and yada yada all this good stuff but then Heath said after I was fired Drew never called me didn't didn't do the same thing and then he sort of you know baited him into a match he slapped him did all this stuff and then Drew's like fine I'll give you a match and then Heath goes to take off his shirt turns around gets claymore and pinned and that's basically that and then afterwards they they sort of hug and you know they overcome their conflict and they're friends again and a lot of people have said that you know this promo by Heath Slater on Raw was so good that he may have won his job with WWE back. And maybe we'll see Heath Slater next Sunday night at the horror show at Extreme Rules. And when I heard that, I was like, no, please, no. Heath Slater has been in WWE for, I have to imagine, over a decade at this point. I have no idea when he was signed, but I'm sure it was many, many years ago. He was part of Nexus. He was part of The Core. He was the one-man Southern rock band, and then he was 3MB, and then he had kids. He's done so much in WWE that even if they did give him some sort of run as Drew McIntyre's challenger for the WWE title, what would it mean? It would just last for like a month, maybe two months, and then he'd be back being forgotten about for years until eventually his athletic window closes, and that's it for his wrestling career. What I would much rather see is what has been teased by Impact Wrestling is that Heath Slater could potentially be one of the many names expected to debut for the promotion at Slammiversary a week from the day that I am filming or uh, recording this. And I just couldn't get over the fact that some people felt that it, it... it would be in Heath Slater's best interest to re-sign with the promotion that has done next to nothing with him for years, that forgets about him for years on end. Why would he want to re-sign with the promotion? Well, while we're on the topic of Heath Slater, just in case we don't get to it uh, or there's a delay for next week, we'll run down the advertised card for Slammiversary. And of course, the matches at Slammiversary are not really, you know, I mean, they're, they're just not, they're not the main part of the show. The main part of the show is who shows up? Who debuts for Impact Wrestling or returns to Impact Wrestling? And we have a good article up in the column section at Spoiler Free Wrestling where we go over all the possible options of who could 
appear on this show. But here are the six matches that are advertised for Impact Slammiversary next Saturday, July 18th. So we've got Moose is defending his TNA World Heavyweight Championship, which is unsanctioned, uh, against Tommy Dreamer. And that's in an old school rules match, which I'm pretty sure is a hardcore match. But I guess we'll find out there. I They've done that before where they've called matches old school matches, but then they're like old school ECW matches. So I don't know. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander will be defending their tag titles against Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan, who are a couple of enemies turned allies. Then there's a gauntlet for the gold match to determine a new number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship. And ad- advertised for that match so far are Alicia Edwards, Havoc, Kira Hogan, Kimberly, Kylie Ray, Nevaeh, Madison Rain, Rosemary, Susie slash Sue Young, Tasha Steeles, and Taya Valkyrie. But I would have to imagine if there's some new women coming into the Knockouts division, maybe they debut in this match. We'll just have to wait and see. Got an X-Division title match as Willie Mack takes on Chris Bay. And Johnny Swinger has been banned from ringside for the match. Got a Knockouts Championship match featuring Jordan Grace defending against Deanna Perrazzo. And then we got a Fatal 4-Way match for the vacant Impact World Championship match. Ace Austin versus Eddie Edwards versus Trey Miguel versus someone to be determined. So we could get a big debuting or returning name in that match. And that is your lineup for next weekend's impact wrestling slammiversary pay-per-view. And finally, just before we go this week, want to run down the lineups for all the TV shows taking place on the week. So we'll start things off with, Monday Night Raw, which will be July the 13th from the Performance Center. We actually got four matches announced for the show next week, which is a rarity for Raw. They don't they often don't announce a lot of the matches ahead of time, but we've got a women's tag team title match featuring Sasha Banks and Bailey defending against the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Carrie Sane. And that'll come just six days before Asuka challenges Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Randy Orton is going to be taking on R-Truth. Seth Rollins is going to be taking on Kevin Owens in a WrestleMania rematch. And the Viking Raiders, who really could use a win, they'll be taking on Angel Garza and Andrade. And that's your lineup for Monday Night Raw. Then on Tuesday, we got an episode of Impact Wrestling, and this will be the go-home show for Saturday Slammiversary. And in that match, we've got a eight-woman tag match, which will preview the gauntlet match at Slammiversary. And this match features Taya Valkyrie, Rosemary, Tasha Steeles, and Kira Hogan uh, teaming up, sorry, with Kimberly. So, oh, this is a 10-person match. So those five going up against Havoc, Nevaeh, Sue Young, Kali Ray, and Alicia Edwards. Then we got Crazy Steve and Tommy Dreamer teaming up to go up against Moose and a uh, teammate to be named later and that of course will preview moose versus tommy dreamer at slammiversary then ace austin is going to be doing some training session to preview the world title match at slammiversary and we'll have a contract signing between jordine grace and diana perrazzo and that's what's going on on impact then we get to wednesday night and we've got the wednesday night wars between aw and nxt 
AEW is Fight for the Fallen. So another branded event, the third in a row for AEW. And it will feature, very likely, unless he tests positive for coronavirus between now and then, AEW World Championship match, John Moxley, defending against the man who's now the FTW champion, Brian Cage. We've also got a TNT Championship match as Cody Rhodes looks to defend against Sonny Kiss. Then Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks team up for the first time in a long time, and they'll go up against the Jurassic Express in six-man trios action. And in a tag match, which I'm sure will be just excellent, FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler will take on the Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr., and Phoenix. That's what's going on on AEW this week. Then over on NXT, just two matches announced for the show. NXT Women's Championship match will likely headline as Io Shirai defends against Tegan Knox and Cameron Grimes, who's going straight to the moon. He'll take on Damian Priest in a grudge match that has been building for a few weeks. Then do we have anything announced for next week's SmackDown? We only have one match announced for next week's SmackDown, but it's a big one as AJ Styles will defend the Intercontinental Championship against Matt Riddle. And then we get to next weekend where we'll have both Backlash and, or not Backlash, Slammiversary and um, uh, the, horror, the horror show at Extreme Rules, of course. Um, so two pay-per-views next week. So a, a stacked week of wrestling upcoming. I'm recording this on Saturday. We've got New Japan Dominion on Sunday. All the wrestling shows. You basically just get Thursday off for the next seven days. And you've got an important wrestling event to watch on every other day. But that's going to do it for this week in wrestling from Spoiler Free Wrestling. Thanks again so much for supporting the show, the website, the YouTube channel, and all that we do. And I'll talk to you again next week.